Chapter 82 of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume 3, Part 1 by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Portrait of Madame The discussion was becoming full of bitterness. De Guiche perfectly understood the whole matter, for there was in Bragelonne's face a look instinctively hostile, while in that of De Wardes there was something like a determination to offend. Without inquiring into the different feelings which actuated his two friends, De Guiche resolved to ward off the blow which he felt was on the point of being dealt by one of them, and perhaps by both. "'Gentlemen,' he said, "'we must take our leave of each other. I must pay a visit to Monsieur. You, De Wardes, will accompany me to the Louvre, and you, Raoul, will remain here master of the house, and as all that is done here, as under your advice, you will bestow the last glance upon my preparations for departure. Raoul, with the air of one who neither seeks nor fears a quarrel, bowed his head in token of assent, and seated himself upon a bench in the sun. That is well, said de Guiche. Remain where you are, Raoul, and tell them to show you the two horses I have just purchased. You will give me your opinion, for I only bought them on condition that you ratified the purchase. By the by, I have to beg your pardon for having omitted to inquire after the Comte de la Fere. While pronouncing these latter words, he closely observed de Wardes, in order to perceive what the effect the name of Raoul's father would produce upon him. "'I thank you,' answered the young man. "'The Count is very well.' A gleam of deep hatred passed into de Wardes' eyes. De Guiche, who appeared not to notice the foreboding expression, went up to Raoul, and, grasping him by the hand, said, "'It is agreed, then, Bragelonne, is it not, that you will rejoin us in the courtyard of the Palais Royal?' He then signed to de Wardes to follow him, who had been engaged in balancing himself first on one foot, then on the other. "'We are going,' said he. "'Come, Monsieur Malicorne.' This name made Raoul start, for it seemed that he had already heard it pronounced before, but he could not remember on what occasion." While trying to recall it half dreamily, yet half irritated at his conversation with de Wardes, the three young men set out on their way toward the Palais Royal, where Monsieur was residing. Malicorne learned two things. The first, that the young men had something to say to each other, and the second, that he ought not to walk in the same line with them, and therefore he walked behind. "'Are you mad?' said de Guiche to his companion as soon as they had left the Hotel de Grammont. You attack Monsieur d'Artagnan, and that, too, before Raoul. Well, said de Wardes, what then? What do you mean by what then? Certainly. Is there any prohibition against attacking Monsieur d'Artagnan? But you know very well that Monsieur d'Artagnan was one of those celebrated and terrible four men who were called the Musketeers. That they may be, but... I do not perceive why, on that account, I should be forbidden to hate Monsieur d'Artagnan. What cause has he given you? Me? Personally, none. Why hate him, therefore? Ask my dead father that question. Really? My dear de Wardes, you surprise me. Monsieur d'Artagnan is not one to leave unsettled any enmity he may have to arrange without completely clearing his account. Your father, I have heard, on his side, carried matters with a high hand. Moreover, there are no enemies so bitter that they cannot be washed away by blood, by a good sword-thrust loyally 
given. "'Listen to me, my dear de Guiche. This inveterate dislike existed between my father and Monsieur d'Artagnan, and when I was quite a child he acquainted me with the reason for it, and as forming part of my inheritance I regard it as a particular legacy bestowed upon me.' and does his hatred concern monsieur d'artagnan alone as for that monsieur d'artagnan was so intimately associated with his three friends that some portion of the full measure of my hatred falls to their lot and that hatred is of such a nature whenever the opportunity occurs they shall have no occasion to complain of their allowance de guiche had kept his eyes fixed on de wardes and shuddered at the bitter manner in which the young man smiled Something like a presentiment flashed across his mind. He knew that the time had passed away for grand coup entre gentilhommes, but that the feeling of hatred treasured up in the mind, instead of being diffused abroad, was still hatred all the same. That a smile was sometimes as full of meaning as a threat, and in a word that to the fathers, who had hated with their hearts and fought with their arms, would now succeed the sons, who would indeed hate with their hearts, but would no longer combat their enemies, save by means of intrigue or treachery as therefore it certainly was not raoul whom he could suspect either of intrigue or treachery it was on raoul's account that de guiche trembled however while these gloomy forebodings cast a shade of anxiety over de guiche's countenance de wardes had resumed the entire mastery over himself at all events he observed i have no personal ill-will towards monsieur de bragelonne i do not know him even in any case said de guiche with a certain amount of severity in his tone of voice do not forget one circumstance that raoul is my most intimate friend a remark at which de wardes bowed the conversation terminated there although de guiche tried his utmost to draw out his secret from him but doubtless de wardes had determined to say nothing further and he remained impenetrable de guiche therefore promised himself a more satisfactory result with raoul in the meantime they had reached the palais royal which was surrounded by a crowd of lookers-on the household belonging to monsieur awaited his command to mount their horses in order to form part of the escort of the ambassadors to whom had been entrusted the care of bringing the young princess to paris the brilliant display of horses arms and rich liveries afforded some compensation in those times thanks to the kindly feelings of the people and to the traditions of deep devotion to their sovereigns for the enormous expenses charged upon the taxes mazarin had said and let them sing provided they pay while louis the fourteenth's remark was let them look sight had replaced the voice the people could still look but they were no longer allowed to sing the guiche left the ward and malicorne at the bottom of the grand staircase while he himself who shared the favor and good graces of monsieur with the chevalier de lorraine who always smiled at him most affectionately though he could not endure him went straight to the prince's apartments whom he found engaged in admiring himself in the glass and rouging his face in a corner of the cabinet the chevalier de lorraine was extended full length upon some cushions having just had his long hair curled with which he was playing in the same manner a woman would have done the prince turned round as the count entered and perceiving who it was said ah is that you guiche come here and tell me the truth you know my lord it is one of my defects to speak the truth you will hardly believe de guiche how that wicked chevalier has annoyed me 
the chevalier shrugged his shoulders why he pretends continued the prince that mademoiselle henrietta is better looking as a woman than i am as a man do not forget my lord said de guiche frowning slightly you require me to speak the truth certainly said the prince tremblingly well i shall tell it you do not be in a hurry guiche exclaimed the prince you have plenty of time look at me attentively and try to recollect madame besides her portrait is here look at it and he held out to him a miniature of the finest possible execution the guiche took it and looked at it for a long time attentively upon my honor my lord this is indeed a most lovely face but look at me count look at me said the prince endeavoring to direct upon himself the attention of the count who was completely absorbed in contemplation of the portrait it is wonderful murmured guiche really one would almost imagine you had never seen the young lady before it is true my lord i have seen her but it was five years ago there is a great difference between a child twelve years old and a girl of seventeen well what is your opinion my opinion is that the portrait must be flattering my lord of that said the prince triumphantly there can be no doubt but let us suppose that it is not what would your opinion be my lord that your highness is exceedingly happy to have so charming a bride very well that is your opinion of her but of me my opinion my lord is that you are too handsome for a man the chevalier de lorraine burst out laughing the prince understood how severe toward himself this opinion of the comte de guiche was and he looked somewhat displeased saying my friends are not overindulgent de guiche looked at the portrait again and after lengthened contemplation returned it with apparent unwillingness saying most decidedly my lord i should rather prefer to look ten times at your highness than to look at madame once again it seemed as if the chevalier had detected some mystery in these words which were incomprehensible to the prince for he exclaimed very well get married yourself monsieur continued painting himself and when he had finished looked at the portrait again once more turned to admire himself in the glass and smiled and no doubt was satisfied with the comparison you are very kind to have come he said to guiche i feared you would leave without bidding me adieu your highness knows me too well to believe me capable of so great a disrespect besides i suppose you have something to ask from me before leaving paris your highness has indeed guessed correctly for i have a request to make very good what is it the chevalier de lorraine immediately displayed the greatest attention for he regarded every favor conferred upon another as a robbery committed against himself and as guiche hesitated the prince said if it be money nothing could be more fortunate for i am in funds the superintendent of finances has sent me five hundred thousand pistoles i thank your highness but it is not an affair of money what is it then tell me 
the appointment of a maid of honor oh, oh guiche what a protector you have become of young ladies said the prince you never speak of anyone else now the chevalier de lorraine smiled for he knew very well that nothing displeased the prince more than to show any interest in ladies my lord said the comte it is not i who am directly interested in the lady of whom i have just spoken i am acting on behalf of one of my friends huh that is different what is the name of the young lady in whom your friend is interested mademoiselle de la baume le blanc de la valliere she is already maid of honor to the dowager princess why she is lame said the chevalier de lorraine stretching himself on his cushions lame repeated the prince and madame to have her constantly before her eyes most certainly not it may be dangerous for her when in an interesting condition the chevalier de lorraine burst out laughing chevalier said guiche your conduct is ungenerous while i am soliciting a favor you do me all the mischief you can forgive me comte said the chevalier de lorraine somewhat uneasy at the tone in which guiche had made his remark but i had no intention of doing so and i begin to believe that i have mistaken one young lady for another there is no doubt of it monsieur and i do not hesitate to declare that such is the case do you attach much importance to it guiche inquired the prince i do my lord well you shall have it but ask me for no more appointments for there are none to give away ha huh, exclaimed the chevalier midday already that is the hour fixed for the departure you dismiss me monsieur inquired guiche really count you treat me very ill to-day replied the chevalier for heaven's sake count for heaven's sake chevalier said monsieur do you not see how you are distressing me your highness's signature said guiche take a blank appointment from that drawer and give it to me guiche handed the prince the document indicated and at the same time presented him with a pen already dipped in ink whereupon the prince signed here he said returning him the appointment but i give it on one condition name it that you make friends with the chevalier willingly said guiche and he held out his hand to the chevalier with an indifference amounting to contempt adieu count said the chevalier without seeming in any way to have noticed the count's slight adieu and bring us back a princess who will not talk with her own portrait too much yes set off and lose no time by the by who accompanies you bragelonne and de Bourde both excellent and fearless companions too fearless said the chevalier endeavor to bring them both back count a bad heart bad murmured de guiche he scents mischief everywhere and sooner than anything else and taking leave of the prince he quitted the apartment as soon as he reached the vestibule he waved in the air the paper which the prince had signed Malicorne hurried forward and received it, trembling with delight. 
When, however, he held it in his hand, Guiche observed that he still awaited something further. "'Patience, monsieur,' he said. "'The Chevalier de Lorraine was there, and I feared an utter failure if I asked too much at once. Wait until I return. Adieu.' "'Adieu, monsieur le comte. A thousand thanks,' said Malicorne. "'Send Manicamp to me. By the way, monsieur,' is it true that mademoiselle de la valliere is lame as he said this a horse drew up behind him and on turning round he noticed that bragelonne who had just at that moment entered the courtyard turned suddenly pale the poor lover had heard the remark which however was not the case with malicorne for he was already beyond the reach of the count's voice why is louise's name spoken of here said raoul to himself oh let not de ward who stands smiling yonder, even say a word about her in my presence. "'Now, gentlemen,' exclaimed the Comte de Guiche, "'prepare to start.' At this moment the prince, who had completed his toilet, appeared at the window and was immediately saluted by the acclamations of all who composed the escort. And ten minutes afterwards, banners, scarfs, and feathers were fluttering and waving in the air as the cavalcade galloped away. End of chapter 82 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.